Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, today on the show, we have near-death experiencer Sharon Milliman. And in Sharon's NDE, she gets a detailed tour of the heavenly plane. That's all I can say. So let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Shannon Milliman. How are you doing, Shannon? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, my dear. Thank you. Of course. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your many near-death experiences (laughs) First question I have to ask you is, what are you doing that you keep dying? That's a problem. <laughs> I don't know. I just slip out. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we're, so I've had a lot of people on the show that had multiple near-death experiences. So we generally try to focus on the, uh, the most impactful ones. Since you've had four, we'll probably, we spoke a little earlier, we're probably going to be focusing on two of the really impactful ones. Um, but you have been, I mean, you, you've had such an interesting life so far. <laughs> it is just, it's, it's really fascinating. Um, before your first, before your first near the experience, what was your life like? I know it was young. You were 13 or so, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yes, I was 13. So what was your life like prior? Were you spiritual? Did, did you have any inclinations? Were, were you religious? What, what exactly was your life like? I know you were a teenager still, but. I was always a very spiritual child, not necessarily religious, but more spiritual. Um, I saw God in everything, okay. even as even as a small child. And, um, you know, I was one of those, well, I saw things that other people didn't see. So I was um, a source of other kids making fun mm. and... But I was able to see people that they couldn't see. Right. Um, Were you able and, to see like, you know, spirits or? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So you were gifted like that from very early on, but you weren't weirded out by it. You just were very comfortable by it. No, I didn't know they were spirits. I They looked so solid to me. They just were people. And they, even to this day, when someone shows up, it's like they're just as solid as you are they're not oh, wow. transparent or shadow people or wispy whatever glowing just, or something like that right right yeah i'm like please don't come to me that way you know <laughs> but they just come to me as normal people usually younger than you know younger versions of themselves mm-hmm. but they just look to me they're just people without physical bodies and they are still have their own identity and their own personalities and their own whatever so you've been dealing with this since the very beginning essentially this is something that's been going on so when you had your first near-death experience uh tell tell us really quickly what happened during the first near-death experience when you were around 13 if i'm not mistaken right um we had just moved um to west virginia where where we are now um 50 years later and um my parents wanted us to learn how to swim so they took us to the Y down the road and uh the teacher wanted uh I was in the older class and he wanted us to dive in head first you know this way Mm -hmm. and I saw the other kids doing it and they came out just fine but there was something in me that was like I cannot do this I just can't do it and he told me, he said, you're either going to do this dive or I'm going to throw you in. 
and I was, uh, <laughs> I, I, he threw me in and didn't I didn't work out. No, it didn't work out. <laughs> different style of teaching back then. Uh, <laughs> very, <laughs> <laughs> very different style of teaching back then. Um, wow. So you died then, but in you, what did you see during that near death experience? Well, I'm laying on the bottom of a 10 foot in the 10 foot section and I could see all the way around the pool without, I mean, I was just, I was dead on the bottom of the pools and I was kind of, I could see myself on the bottom. Mm -hmm. I could see the water rippling on the top and I could see my mother. She was on the other side of the pool and I could see her face as if it was right here. Um, I could hear people screaming. I could hear people talking. Um, the lifeguard that was taking care of the little children in the three-foot section of the pool, she screamed at my teacher. She called him by name and said, go in and get her. And then I could see his face. And he was frozen and he couldn't move. I saw my mom. Um, she was screaming. Um, and she was in the balcony where the uh, parents were on the opposite side of the pool. Um, so it was, it was, it was, I'm 13 and I have no idea what's going on. None. Sure, of course. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm seeing all of this. I'm hearing everything. I can see everybody all the way around all at the same time. And at the same time, I'm seeing this light. And it looked like a light bulb in the pool. And the light kept getting bigger and bigger and brighter and brighter. And it was this a, a brilliant white, but yet it was soft on my eyes. It didn't hurt my eyes. And um, it just kept getting, I don't know if I was going up to it or it was coming down to me, but it was just huge. And it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it was about this close from touching me when I heard what sounded like a metal door uh, slam and it echoed. And the lifeguard who had the middle-aged kids, it was like in the five foot section of the pool. He had jumped in and was getting me out. He was doing CPR and getting me out of the water. And um, then I could, then I saw my mom. When I came to, I saw my mom and all these kids around, bunch of legs and feet. <laughs> That's pretty sure, much sure, sure. Yeah. So did this, does this event change you in any, I mean, obviously it was traumatic, but did it change you any way in as far as knowing and things like that? Well, my, my mom and I never really talked about it. I didn't know what it was called. I had no idea what, what, I knew nothing about near-death sure. experiences or had never heard anything about that. Um, if anything, it made stuff stronger. Things mm. that I experiencing as a child, it made it stronger until I became an older teen. <laughs> and then I, and then a young mother and then, you know, things in my life were just so busy that I was just, I just shut the door on all of it. And, and so you, so you kind of, you, you, you close that and you're like, I don't want to deal with that right now. And you kind of like put it in a box, threw it under the bed. Right. Which is never a good, never a good thing as a general statement when it's <laughs> the, the thing under the bed is going to come back out unless you, you're going to have to deal with this at one point or another. Absolutely. And I did. <laughs> so tell me about your, your second near death experience. Um. Well, before the second experience, I had been hit by lightning several times. So it oh, was. So we have to stop there for a second. What are you doing <laughs> that you're near lightning and you not only are near it, but you're getting hit by it <laughs> multiple <laughs> times? And afterwards, did you play the lottery? Because the chances of you being hit by lightning so many times is pretty out there. <laughs> it is pretty out there. And I've had people ask me the, the next time I have a near-death experience, I'm supposed to go straight to Jesus and ask him what the lottery numbers are. <laughs> right. So everybody knows I'm going to do that. Next. The next one, number five. 
Number five, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. I don't know if I'm a lightning rod or what. I really don't know. I, really? I have no clue. It was twice was ball lightning and twice was the lightning bolts. And people are, are like, well, lightning comes from the ground. Well, there might be an arc from the ground, but if you look in the sky during a storm, you will see lightning bolts come out of the sky. <laughs> lightning bolt came out of the sky and hit my arm. So Sorry, so you hit three times before the near-death experience? Uh, twice was ball lightning. What's ball and lightning? It's it's like a fireball like this that'll just oh. it it can come through glass. It's kind of rare. Okay. But it can actually come right through the glass. Okay. Um it looked to me like it had come through the you know the the little space between the window sill and the window mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's how it looked like it had come through there, but it could have come through the glass, I don't know. We Got had it. a big a Victorian house that had the heavy, heavy curtains and the, you know, the sure, shears sure. and all that. Only thing I know is that I saw the ball coming through the window and it rolled across the room and I was on the computer at the time. We, it, back then we had the great big tower and the, you know, the big monitor, you know, that weighed 5,000 pounds, you couldn't pick it up and move it. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm typing on the keyboard and this ball, this big ball of fire is rolling across the room and it smacks my hands and it fries. I mean, it just shook me to the core. My hands just tingled all the way up to my shoulders. It fried the keyboard. Interesting. All right, so and you have the two, so the two ball lightning, one lightning strike. So that's three, but you haven't died yet. These three right. were just primers, essentially. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so that was a four. So what happened on the fourth lightning? Uh, the four, I can't believe I'm saying this. On the fourth lightning strike, and your second <laughs> near death experience, what happened? Um, I was sitting out on the back concrete steps and it had, there was a roof over top of where I was sitting and I was talking on a cordless phone and it had started to rain and um I I knew not to be on a cord corded phone mm -hmm. but I didn't think that a cordless phone would be any big deal mm -hmm. but apparently don't go outside on the cordless phone <laughs> Um, so I'm sitting there talking to my friend on the phone and the lightning bolt came out of the sky and it hit my arm in my right arm and it went through my body and traveled underneath the house. And we had a transformer that was right in front of our house and it blew that to pieces. And, um, I felt this when it hit my arm, I felt this burning, searing, just horrific pain and then I peeled up out of my body I mean I just I'm down on the ground I can see my body on the ground um but I once I peeled up out of myself I didn't feel any pain mm -hmm. there was it was wonderful <laughs> and I, <laughs> I it was like I love this I can do this now um but I it was it was very strange because I didn't know I was dead. Mm -hmm. I mean, it didn't it it happened so quick that I didn't have time to process in my own mind. I guess that I was dead. That mm -hmm. crumpled body on the ground was me, and I walked into or floated or walked or whatever it was, and I went into my kitchen, and as I got into my kitchen, everything had this burnt gold look to it. So I'm looking around at the curtains, and I mean, it was just very odd. And I noticed that the lace curtains on my windows were not my curtains. So I went into the dining room, which was just off the kitchen. And I noticed that none of that furniture was mine. It was my house, but it was not my furniture. And I'm walking through and I, I can get around. 
So I went from the dining room into the living room and from the living room into the parlor. And the, nothing in that house was my stuff. And so I um, heard this old time radio show playing, sounded like something from back in the Waltons. And I knew we didn't have a radio in the house. And I knew that I, I mean, we had no electricity, so how could a radio be playing? I didn't know where that sound was coming from. And I was looking for this sound and I couldn't find it anywhere. And just as I was about to freak out because I was, it was so odd. Um, this huge, loving, formless presence, huge, huge presence came and got me. And as soon as that presence appeared, I felt this huge peace, this love, like I've never felt in my life. And it just filled me, just totally filled me. And I was at peace and I was calm and I was okay at that point. And we started, the, these beautiful pink and gold clouds appeared and we, like part of the house disappeared. And all I could see were the pink and gold clouds. And we started moving very quickly. We didn't move up. We didn't move down. We went lateral, side to side. Mm -hmm. And um, so we're moving really fast through these clouds. And we get to the end of the clouds and there's this garden. And it was the most beautiful garden I'd ever seen. It was um, a beautiful, sunny day. It felt like the perfect day, you know, 75 degrees, zero humidity, <laughs> birds, flowers, you know. It was just the most beautiful place. And um, the colors were just so rich and vibrant. And there were colors that there weren't even words for. Um, um, I could hear music and um, it was like everything has a vibrational sound, um, the leaves on the trees, the flowers, each color, the water, there was a stream that just like looked like there was a bazillion diamonds sparkling in this water and it was going over some rocks and so I noticed that the rocks had a sound, the water had a different sound. Each individual blade of grass had a different sound, colors, everything had a sound. And when you put all those sounds together, you hear this magnificent orchestra. It's like everything was singing praises to God, everything. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was so beautiful. I call it big music because there were lots of instruments and lots of intricate pieces all put together to make this melody um and there were two young men that stepped forward to greet me and they were wearing this ivory um very intricate um linen clothing and i noticed that the clothing was a herringbone weave i mean they literally took that a snapshot of the weave pattern stuck it in my face for future reference, which I found out years later what that was. But at the time I didn't know, like, mm -hmm. okay. You know? <laughs> Thanks. Nice, nice outfit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it was sort of an instant. Um, sometimes it takes me being hit over the head with the two by four. Sometimes it takes being hit by lightning for me to understand what's going on. And um, I had no, at that point, I was just floating along. Everything was so magnificent and I was in that awe factor. Mm -hmm. And the two young men were my two brothers who had died when they were babies. Mm -hmm. It was Michael and Steven and they were a year apart and they were younger. Uh, I was older than them. And um, when they smiled at me is when I realized who they were. I was like, oh my gosh, you look just like dad, you know? And I, we had our family reunion and the hugs and the tears and the, you know, mm -hmm. so happy to see you. Dad would be so proud of you. You're so beautiful. And, um, in fact, they looked exactly like my dad when my dad was a young man, except that they had longer curlier hair than he did. Mm 
Mm. And their hair was a darker blonde with this color blonde running through it. And they glowed. It was, mm. they looked like they'd been on the beach all day long. And they had this glow about them. And then I realized everybody I saw had this glow. Um, mm -hmm. And it's sort of like they glowed from the inside out. Um, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So after we had our family reunion, uh, we walked a little bit further into the garden and it was time for my life review. So they were standing one on either side of me and this huge loving presence moved from beside me to behind me. And then there was a whole bunch of other people that came around me and I knew them, but I didn't know where I knew them from. Mm -hmm. And they knew me, but they were from all different time periods. And I, you know, the clothing that they wore was like from different time periods. And um, they, some of the women were in dresses, some of the men were in suits, other people were wearing jeans. It just, I guess it depended on whatever they felt most comfortable in. Oh, well, yeah. I, I don't know, but that's what made sense to me. Mm -hmm. um, but they all gathered around me and there wasn't one person there that was over the age of mid thirties. So they were all young and strong and healthy. Nobody was crying. Nobody was sick. There weren't crutches and wheelchairs and all that kind of, I mean, it was just amazing. It was like, wow, people are so beautiful. and Everybody's so strong and healthy. And um, when my, my two brothers actually had to tell me that I died, because I, mm -hmm. at that point, I didn't know. That you I was, still, that you still, I still got it. And they actually had to tell me that I had died. And I was like, okay, if this is death, I can do this. This is not bad. And so then the screen comes down. Now, when they told me that I had died, I looked down the front of me to see if I still had a body because I felt like I did. Mm -hmm. I still felt like me. And I looked down the front of me and I could see my hair going down mm -hmm. the front of me. Um, I could see my clothes that I had wore that day that I still mm -hmm. had on. Mm -hmm. um, I could feel that cool grass on my feet. Um, so I could feel and I could smell and I could touch. And it was like I could see 360 degrees all the way around. So I could see even the most minute detail without even turning my head. And so after they told me I died, I'm, I'm looking and I'm, I'm seeing that I still have a body, but it was light. It wasn't heavy. Like our bodies are here. And I wasn't concerned whether my hair was okay or whether my makeup was okay. It, it did, that didn't matter to me. It was, I felt loved and accepted and I had never felt loved and accepted in this lifetime. I'd always been told you're fat, you're ugly, you're stupid. And I'd never felt the love that I felt there. And so a screen comes down and I'm watching this screen. And it was like watching an old fashioned black and white movie on an old fashioned movie reel. So I'm watching my life review. And it was from the moment I was born all the way until that day that I died. And I didn't know I was supposed to judge me. You know, I, I didn't, nobody else seemed to be judging me and I didn't realize I was supposed to be doing that. And so I didn't. And the life review was just over like that. And it was, I kind of thought that was quick. You know, <laughs> life must have been pretty boring because that was over really fast. And I asked my brothers, did I miss something? What have I, what am I missing? And they just kind of grinned and they didn't really answer me. And I thought, oh, that's not fair. You're <laughs> playing a brother card on me here. But I realized that nobody else was judging me. I didn't judge me. And so it was over and that was it. 
and there wasn't the judgment that not to say there isn't judgment, but I mean, for me, there wasn't any judgment. I did not feel judgment at all. I felt love mm. from the being, you know, the one I call God, the big, huge, formless. And nobody at my brothers didn't judge me. The other people around me didn't judge me. So I didn't feel judged mm -hmm. at all. And I started thinking to myself, well, maybe judgment is when we judge ourselves in front of god who is perfect and if we feel that we need to be punished then we get punished but if we don't need to be punished then we don't i mean i i don't know but that's how i felt i didn't feel anything at all did you did you, did you feel what other people felt when you were interacting with them during the life review because that's something i've heard multiple times I didn't. Okay. It just was like, it, was it felt like I was watching it for information purposes only. And it that's okay. why I thought maybe my life was boring because. It <laughs> well, and also this is not the ultimate life review. So you have no idea. This is, this is part of, as we now know, many life reviews, many, many near death experiences. So this is, it could have been set up that way for you just for this specific near death experience. It's interesting. Right. So yeah. what happened after that? Well, we, my brothers were showing me around and I was able to see uh, buildings. Um, I saw this beautiful, what I call the glorious city. And it was behind a wall, um, a big, thick golden wall. And in the center of the city was a round building that had a dome. And I didn't, I don't know what that building was, but I noticed how beautiful the dome was. And I saw other buildings like on the outskirts of the city. Um, and I could see a place where babies and children go, mm -hmm. where they're loved and cared for by their, you know, grandmas and grandpas or great grandmas or you know, their loved ones and yeah. right ancestors, um, angels, mentors, teachers. There are people that are specifically trained to take care of these children because they not only grow, you know, they'll they'll grow physically up to a certain point and then they stop growing and then it becomes all about spiritual growth. So babies and children go there and they're loved and cared for and they were all running around and swing sets and, you know trampolines and jumping boards and whatever you know they were all having a great time and I saw people taking care of them and um, I saw another building that looked like a gigantic library and it had books from top to ceiling and they were every book on every subject you could possibly want to know I called it the hall of knowledge but that's I don't know if that's what it's called but it was so I saw that, I saw what looked like a spiritual hospital, like for, I'm calling it that, I don't know that that's what it's sure. called, but what it looked like to me is it was, see, heaven's a very gentle place. It's, there's, it's very calm, very peaceful, very gentle, very loving. And there are people who may die very quickly and they have no earthly idea what's going on. Like I didn't have any earthly idea what was going on. I was in this beautiful place, but I didn't know I was dead. Mm. I had my two brothers who loved me enough to tell me, but there may be other people who don't have two brothers to tell them. So right. They go to this place and they, everybody's brought gently to the awareness of what's happened. Okay, mm -hmm. you're not on earth anymore. You're you're here with us and we love you. And, you know, this is what happened, but, but you're okay and you're here now. And then you go on from there. It's that kind of thing. It's not- It's gradual. It, it's a gradual acclima right. acclimation to where you're at. Right, exactly. It's not stark. It's very gentle, gentle. Okay. And 
Um, We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. I didn't see anybody in pain. I saw no suffering. No animals were being killed. I saw lots of animals running around, um, rolling plains and hills and valleys. And um, Are they those... walking you through all of this or are you seeing all of this? Like are you I'm being seeing... toured? Kind of like being a toured almost? It's That's what I would call it. Okay. We were walking, but it was, I could see very very far distances in great detail so i don't think we can walk right up to the building but i could see the building i could see inside the building kind of like what you did with your in your first near-death experience when you were able to see your mom's face even though you weren't near your mom's face similar concept right yeah so you were taking a virtual tour as you walked on the side you could jump in and do basically a tour of of heaven or the other side right yeah Interesting. So what else did you see? Um, well, there was this, this, there was this one beautiful castle wall. It was like a field stone wall and it was like falling down and it had pink roses growing up and over it. And I was just enamored by this beautiful wall because it mm. was a castle wall, you know, and it had fallen down and it was just beautiful, breathtaking. I saw it in both my second and my third, same, same wall, same place. Um, I saw houses. Um, so like the city is right here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Over here was the, the other buildings that I saw over here were these houses. And one was sitting on a bluff and I could see the ocean water (laughs) splashing up on the rocks. And the house was made of some kind of stone that kind of glistened in the light. Um, There was a house directly behind it. And it was like like a, I don't know, English cottage type house. Sure, sure. And there were beautiful rose gardens in the back. Um, I don't know who lived in the houses, but they were definitely houses and beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. houses. I did see one room. I was, my brothers were with me, so I was literally taken to this room. Um, and they were having a party inside the room. And there, it was, it was absolutely breathtaking. The, the people were all dressed in fancy clothes there was a man sitting in the corner on a great big piano and he was playing music and there were candelabras and um, roses spilling out of vases onto the piano. It was just breathtaking. There was the, the floor was like uh, marble and they had a pink plush carpet on the, on the floor. It's chandelier bigger than my house. Um, and on the other side of the room, there were tables that had very expensive linen and silver trays. And on the trays, there was meats and cheeses and fruits and vegetables and pastries and and just anything you could possibly breads, anything you could possibly want. And no, the bread, the food, uh, the meat was not because animals were killed. It was because God can manifest anything with just a mere thought. No animals sure. are killed um but it's whatever you want and you don't have to eat to sustain life you eat because you enjoy it and families enjoy it and got people who gather they enjoy gathering over food so it uh it was an amazing amazingly beautiful um everything was just beautiful so you're walking with your you're walking with your your brothers. You've got this other large being, formless being, with you at this entire time. You've now accepted that you're dead at this point. I'm assuming, and you're just like basically just walking around. What happens after this amazing tour of of heaven? Because you do come back. So how has that whole process happened? <laughs> well, 
I look over into the corner of sort of next to the the glorious city and there's a grove of trees and I see Jesus walking through the grove of trees and he comes up to me and he talks to me and when he's talking to me my brothers disappear I don't know where they went so I'm just looking at Jesus and I'm listening to what he's telling me and he walks me over to a wooded glen and it's just so beautiful everything is so beautiful and there was a log laying there and I sat down on the log and when I sat down on the log Jesus walks away and there's another man sitting on the end of the log and that man was God and we had started talking and um he asked me it was kind of chit chat at first until i you know i was kind of like stunned about everything you know mm -hmm. and i had to get my wits about <laughs> because mm -hmm. god asked me what would you do if it was just me and you and i'm like what <laughs> i had no idea what <laughs> and so he said it again what would you do if it was just me and you and I didn't understand. It made no sense to me. And I was like, I don't understand you. What, what do you want me to say? I don't have a clue what you're, what you're looking for. So he said, well, come with me. So we go through uh, the woods and there's a clearing and he shows me, he waves his hand and he shows me the vastness of the universe, um, the stars, the planets, the multicolored gases, all of that. But there's no trees, no people, no cars, no houses, no animals, nothing, just all of that. So I looked at God and I said, if there's all of that and just me and you, you'd be tired of me after the first 10 minutes and you wouldn't like me anymore. So no. Mm -hmm. And he just threw his head back and he started laughing. And then when I realized what I said, I was like, oh, who, who does that? you know Sharon snap out of it you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then we went and we sat back down on the log and he asked me again and I started thinking oh my god how am I going to answer this because I still had no answer so I'm looking at this beautiful tree and this beautiful tree I could see all the detail the bark the the you know roots beneath the ground and and just everything is connected to everything the trees clean the air we breathe the air and all of that so i realized that and now i don't know why i said this because i've never read the quran i've never read i don't know a thing about islam i don't know any of that so but I said, God, your hundredth name is God is everywhere. God is nowhere. And God is in me. And he said, yes, that's right. And I said, God, you made this tree. You are in this tree. So when I see this tree, I see you. He said, yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. Well, then I said the same thing about my parents. You made my parents. You're in my parents. When I see my parents, I see you. I said it about my children. Then there mm -hmm. was this person that was very abusive to me and hurt me a lot. And I said, even though this person has hurt me a lot, you made this person. You are in this person. So when I see this person, I see you. He said, yes. He said, now I have a question for you. He said, what would you do if it was just, or um, what would, if you were looking in the mirror, what, what do you see? And I thought, well, you made me you're in me so when i look in the mirror i see you he said yeah that's right and what he was telling me he started telling me i love you i'm with you you are not everything that everybody tells you you are you are not what the world makes you to be you are what i make you to be and i don't make mistakes i don't make junk you have a purpose just like everybody has a purpose and that's important.
and you need to start seeing yourself that way. And so. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Then after that, I, it was shortly after that, that I came back to my body. So after that, did you just come slamming back? Was there like, do you want to go back? Do you not want to go back? None of those questions were asked. I don't remember having any of those questions asked. If there was a conversation between me and God about me coming back, it was not a good one. And I don't remember it. (laughs) You were just slammed back into your body. Pretty much. Yes. And it was very painful. It was going to say the pain and everything started coming. Oh, it was horrific. It was awful. Mm-hmm. Sure. So when you came back with this one, this this near death experience is a little bit more intense than the first one, and you could process it at a higher level than you could at the first one. How did you deal with this new experience? Did you share it with others? Did you? How did you just psychologically process it all? That's a good question. <laughs> um. I had no idea at the time. I still had no name for it. Mm-hmm. I had never heard of near-death experiences or Dr. Moody or any, I, I didn't know any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I was taught, the, the lady I was talking to on the phone when I got hit by the lightning, she was Native American medicine lady. And she, about two weeks after the incident, um, she got a hold of me to find out if I was okay because she heard me scream and then the phone went died and she didn't know what happened and when I told her what had happened you know I went to this place you know I saw my brothers I saw Jesus I saw God Mm -hmm. you know she was able to tell me what it was she knew what it was actually called and um, when I came back, I was in what I call the pink bubble because mm-hmm. I don't know what else to call it. I was floating, literally floating. People said I was glowing. Um, I could see things and hear things. Great distances, I could hear it and see it. I saw the grass literally multiplying and growing across the yard i could see flowers open up and close i could see hear electricity humming in the air and how did you again process this because that's a lot of information well if it wasn't for my friend i didn't know what i didn't know what to think um i was in a very abusive relationship at the time and they i was told i was losing my mind that i was crazy and i wasn't it was this was all a part of that oneness i was still in that oneness with god that that oneness with everything and everyone and i loved everyone and you couldn't hurt me if you tried mm-hmm. and it was like 6 months of floating oh you wow know, so literally. You, you held this you held this for about 6 months 6 months and then it was um like I got thrown down a flight of stairs and I came out of it just like that. And I was in shock for six months and I had to call my friend again and say, what's wrong with me? And she said, you're in shock to go from that bliss, that oneness with, with God and all of creation to the cruelty of others. And you came out of it so abruptly that I was in shock and I felt nothing. I didn't, I wasn't happy. I wasn't sad. I wasn't, I was nothing. It was just, and so I was worried about that. And she said, it'll, it'll pass. And it did. It passed. So, so, okay. So now let's go to your third near death experience. Okay. which Which is another intense one as well. Correct. Yes. What led up to that? What happened? Uh, that was, uh, November of 2016 and I had, uh, emergency surgery for a bowel blockage Mm -hmm. and I was in surgery and I, 
what actually has happened is I aspirated on the breathing tube and mm. it, I quit breathing. And so when that happened, I left my body and I was watching them operate on me and they had these blue hats and they had their heads bowed, bowed down and they had the blue gloves and they had the blood all over the gloves and I thought that was just gross so I went up to the corner of the room hoping not to see inside my body and um so I'm sitting in the corner of the room and I can still see and I was it was like I was sitting on a chair or something in the corner up by the ceiling you know, and I'm looking down and what appeared was this rainbow colored swirling like thing. It kind of looked like an upside down whirlpool and it mm -hmm. was sort of rainbow colored. And I just thought, all right, I'm out of here. And I went right up through that. And I ended up at the golden wall that surrounded the city mm -hmm. that I had seen previously. I also could see a the um field stone wall the the with the pink roses yeah with the pink roses and it was halfway between where the garden was and where the wall the the great big wall so i'm standing by this this big um it looked like it was pure solid gold like cinder blocks made of gold and it was very tall. I couldn't jump it. I tried. I couldn't, it didn't dawn on me just to walk a couple of feet down and open the gates. And there they, you know, the gates were already open, but I mean, to walk mm -hmm. through the open gates. I could hear people talking. Um, I could hear dishes clanging. I could hear music playing. They were getting ready for a party. So I'm standing there and I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to get? through that wall because I'm done I'm going through those <laughs> I don't want to go back and there was this little brown and white beagle puppy and he was jumping at my feet and I was playing with him so I was literally interacting with another being a puppy and then I saw hundreds of people coming out of the garden where I was at before and it was on down way down at the end to the left and in between the um, garden and the wall where I was at was this meadow of tall grass and beautiful wildflowers and mm -hmm. um, but all these people were coming out of the the garden and I saw two Middle Eastern men they came up real close to me and then went into the city I saw somebody that looked like maybe they were from New York or something and they were like a construction worker and he still had his hard hat on and he had a tool belt that had tools um, stick stuck down in it and he walked up close to me and then he went into the city and there was another couple I mean there were women and children and men of all ages and sizes and colors and shapes and mm -hmm. just, I mean so many people I couldn't even count Right. But the last two people that came up to me that, and I actually knew the younger of the two, he had died years ago and I knew him via his mother, her showing me pictures of him and he was escorting an older gentleman and all of the people, which I forgot to say earlier, they, everybody had their own angel and the angel was taller, dressed in gown, um, blue sash, white gown and was much taller than the person was and glowy. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I knew the, the difference between the angels and the people and everyone had their own angel. So um, when these two walked up to me and I knew the younger of the two, I just was so excited. I was like, I know you. Mm -hmm. And he smiled at me and he escorted his father into, into the city gates. So um, I didn't know what the puppy was about, but I was playing with the puppy. Um, there was more to, there was more to it, but that was the most important part of mm -hmm. what I experienced.
So when I uh, came to in the hospital, I still had the breathing tube in my mouth and there was a nurse standing by me and there was machines. And the, when the nurse realized that I was, had, was waking up, he got, got the tube out of me, I guess. And, mm-hmm. um, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. When I got well enough to go back to my room, I picked up my phone and on my phone was a message from another friend of mine. And she told me that the mother of the young man that had died previously, her husband had died that day while I was in surgery. And I said, I know because I saw him, he was with her son and they were in the city. They were fine. My daughter came to see me at the hospital that night and I told her the story and I mentioned the puppy and she said, mom, we had to call the police on a neighbor who was seen beating his beagle puppy to death. And I said, that puppy's there, the puppy's fine. Our animals do go to heaven. And I told her not to worry, the puppy was fine. So why, okay, so in the set and this third near-death experience, you didn't have any guides. You didn't have any other entities. It was kind of like you were just dropped into where you were left off and you were right. kind of like just kind of kind of just checking out what was going on, but you weren't part of it technically. You were just viewing it in many ways. Right. The and only you, part I huh? played was the only part I played was the playing with the puppy. Right. And interacting and interacting with the the kid that you knew, and right. then you get slammed back into your body. So, and then I'm assuming you you've you're old hat at this point at near death experiences, so you're able to handle this, you know, dealing with this at this point. I have to ask you the question: Why do you think this happened to you? Why do you think you've had so many of these near death experiences in this lifetime? Two things. I think. I keep trying to find a way out. I keep wanting to leave. Mm-hmm. And God is like, oh, no, no, no. I still got more for you to do. You're going back. Um, but I don't want to be here. I want to go back there. I'm, I want to be there. And mm-hmm. um, this life has been very hard. It's been very painful, very hard. And I just kept wanting to leave. (laughs) And at one point I even cried and said, God, what is wrong with me? Do you not like me? Do I smell bad? What's the problem? You keep throwing me back there, you know? Mm -hmm. And the other thing is I, I believe that the third experience happened because I needed to let the mother know that her husband and her son were okay. And I needed to let my daughter know and others know that our loved our pets are just like our loved ones and they go to heaven too and we are going to see our loved ones again i used to play with my brother michael when i was a little girl he was one of the people i used to see all the time Mm -hmm. and then he stopped coming and it was like i felt abandoned where did he go why you know why did he leave me and um but he was in heaven and he was watching over me still. Mm. And it's, I think it's so that I can let people know there is another side. This is not all there is. And that what's there is the love is so huge. And it's so, it's what's there is more real than here. And not the first time I've heard that, not the first time I heard that. What? Um, it's your story is remarkable um, and then you keep coming back and it's a unique there's elements of it I've heard before there's elements I haven't heard before and every near death experience is very custom made for the person when did you decide to come out of the closet if you will publicly about this to do interviews and to really talk about these experiences in a larger way it took many many years it really did. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was very hard. And sometimes it's still very hard. 
because there's a lot of people out there that are harsh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say harsh. Sure. And I've lived with so much abuse over the years sure. that I don't know how to take people sometimes. But I think that God uses, you know, he, he will use these kinds of things where people who've had near-death experiences come back and they feel very strongly that we have to share with other people mm-hmm. to let people know, you know, whether we've been told to or, or not told to, we feel like we need to let other people know that to have hope that this is not all there is that heaven is real and God loves you or whatever name you have for God. You know, he's got a bazillion names and he speaks a bazillion languages. So whatever, you know, he, she, whatever, you know, and um, that we are loved and that we're not just thrown here so that we can flounder and screw up and then burn in the fire of whatever. That's not, (laughs) that's not who it is. That's not the God I met. And right. so maybe he's wanting us to come back and say who he is, you know, what did we meet? Who did we meet? You know, our loved ones are still there. They're not that far away. Mm-hmm. And I found that heaven isn't up or down. Heaven is this way or mm-hmm. what, you know, and. It's jumping to another realm, if you will, left or right. Or walking from one room in your house to another. I found death to be very seamless and very flawless. One minute I was here and then I was there and I was blown away because I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> right, right. Um, Sharon, thank you so much for sharing your your story with us. I'm going to ask you a few questions I ask all my guests. Um, what is your definition of living a fulfilled life? Doing out of love for others. If you had a chance to go back in time and talk to little Sharon, what advice would you give her? Don't listen to the world. <laughs> <laughs> How do you define God? Um, God is that huge, formless, loving spirit that was with me. God is spirit. But I also define God as he is love, pure, pure, pure love. And the other part of my definition is that he's not limited. Mm. He is so huge and so beyond any little box we might put him in that he can talk to us in many multiple ways and it took him four times of hitting me with lightning before I could was smart enough to listen and he kept turning up the volume each time until I was in front of him and he could say hey I didn't make you to do this kind of stuff don't listen to all those people listen to me and what is the ultimate purpose of life for us to love to love each other and there are many kinds of love so it's not just the physical love but it's the i would die for you kind of love i i love you with no strings attached and i love you exactly the way you are you don't have to change and be anything other than who you are and it's that kind of love and if we can do that mm-hmm. if i can do that and you can do that and the next person, we're all changing our own little part of the world. And I think that's what we're here for is to learn how to love and be loved. And where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing in the world? Well, I'm on Facebook. I have a WordPress um, website. They just look up Sharon Milliman and you, there you I'll, find you. I'll put you, I'll put your links. I'll put your links in the show notes. Don't worry. <laughs> and do you have any parting messages for the audience here? Just to remember that god loves you whatever name you give god he loves you so much that he thinks about you 24 7 every single moment of every single day and if you stop thinking about you for one second you would just cease to be as if you never were and he loves you that much and he loves me that much and the next person he loves us all that much and he can do that all at the same time and that uh, he told me one time, it doesn't matter how tiny you might be in the grand scheme of all that I've created. 
you are so intricately important to everything I've created. And if you cease to be, my creation changes. That's how important you are. So. Sharon, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing your amazing experience with all of us and your bravery to put this out into the world to help other people. So I do appreciate you, my dear. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank Sharon so much for coming on the show and sharing her journey with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 308. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.